Have you ever wanted to start a podcast? Well, now it's super easy. All you need is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. So if you would like to start your podcast today, head on over to anchor.fm slash start to join myself and the diverse community of podcasters today. Once again, that is anchor.fm slash start to begin your podcast journey today. All right, everybody. Welcome back. I am finally back again to do another episode of Demented Cast. It's been about three months since there's been an episode. A lot of news has happened. However, this isn't your episode. I do not have Kate here to be my co-host. I actually have someone else that's also very special. Um, Jordan, go ahead. Hello. Go I'm ahead. Jordan. Classic Warframe player. Oh yeah, hardcore. That's that's my go-to. That's my uh, quote-unquote. Uh, what is it called? Uh, RPG slash uh, MMO is my Warframe. <laughs> so, I have Jordan here because what. What was it? Last week was last Thursday. Was it was mental health awareness? Yep, and, I believe so. And I, I tweeted out something about it the day after. And mental health is something that I feel people don't necessarily talk about a whole lot until something like happens. And we meant to actually do this episode last Saturday. I was in the middle and in, in the process of moving, so that did As not happen. As they would say, uh, life happens. Yes, life life definitely happened all over the place. Um, so we decided to move it back. We're finally doing this episode, and there's a very specific reason why I'm excited to do this episode with Jordan. Jordan, go ahead and tell people exactly like what you do and why this is a good topic for you to talk about why you feel like well, you, why, why you feel like you specifically are good to talk to about this. Okay. Well, for one, uh, lots of my family members have had mental illnesses or some chemical imbalance. And I've seen those sides of things. And then on top of that, I have seen a plethora in my CNA work of different patients going through scenarios and of course obviously whatever affects you physically affects you mentally um i've also seen the repercussions of it with my coworkers and life happening and work doesn't really give you much leeway on the mental health instead of compared to physical um which is sad but it's ultimately true um, there's a lot that's a deep subject to go into now I'm no therapist I'm no you know doctor I'm don't have a degree in this but seeing as a seeing all these things happen really kind of sh- shines in light of how important it is um, same with me uh, I learned that I can have anxiety um, to a degree where I have panic attacks I had one not too long ago um, didn't know what the hell was going on i was in the shower and as a cna my brain i'm always cautious of strokes heart attacks and all that like i know the knowledge i know the warning signs 
and I was getting in my own head in the morning thinking, oh, nothing's going on. I'm fine, yada, yada, yada. And then I got in the shower and my brain kind of kept going forth. It goes, oh, you don't know what this is. You don't know what's going on, so on and so forth. You know, I kept pumping myself up in a bad way. And all of a sudden the world around me got deafened. I couldn't breathe. My heart rate was massively elevated. I didn't know what was going on. No idea I had a panic attack. So what did I do? I got out of the shower and I called 911 because fuck i didn't know what was going on um so you know i call the uh operator and the operator you know picks up and i don't know what's going on and and uh, like i tell her i could barely hear because of my panic attack and then if the squad gets here and i actually you know get somewhat dressed and i go out to the squad and they're like hey you called and i'm like yeah they checked me out my vitals were fine i was fine i was shaken very shaken um and like i uh they're like hey we your vitals are fine you're not bleeding you're not you know not dying in front of us uh to put it lightly um they're like we can take you to the hospital but physically you are fine and to me right there and then i'm like what the then what happened like i didn't understand it i didn't know i had a panic attack and i had no idea what it was and and then I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'll, I guess I'll, I refused, you know, treatment from them. And they went on their way and I thanked them and I shook their hands. And, and I was still very, like, my body had just been completely drained of energy. And, like, my mind was still, like, running at 100 miles per minute. And I didn't understand. I didn't know what this was. I never had an anxiety attack. Um, so, you know, I called Kate, my wife, and, she, you know, she was like oh shit are you okay and i'm like i'm fine i'm i called into work i'm gonna take the day you know just relax if i can <laughs> right that was difficult um yeah then i went to the doctor the next week on a tuesday that i had off you know just started chit-chatting with the doc and he goes he goes do you have high anxiety i'm like not typically and i told him what i told you with you know my cna brain and then the warning signs and all that. I kind of went into detail about that with him. And he goes, next time you're feeling like that, I'm not going to pre- prescribe you any meds because it doesn't seem to happen that often. This is your first one. And I said, yeah, that's true. That's understandable. And so we were just kept talking. And he goes, yeah, what you probably need to do is just take a minute. He goes, I don't care if you're late for work in the morning. Take a damn minute. <laughs> and just breathe. Calm your nerves calm everything just if you need to step outside step outside and just really it kind of hit me when you know after seeing the doctor and everything with anxiety and panic attack wise um i know it affects a lot more people than i thought originally and seeing you know how that happens in the whole scenario and work well luckily they were very understanding luckily i had pto but uh it's just interesting how i looked up like all these facts and everything's and information how healthcare, and this is where i'm kind of going into my spiel here with mental health and healthcare, that healthcare doesn't really see mental illness as a treatable reliable source um from what i've seen 
um, they'll treat they'll treat your physical like it's nothing. You were saying, uh, just to kind of like back up on that idea of um, health insurance doesn't really see mental illness or any kind of um, anything in the realm of like mental health as a. It's almost as if if they see it as not being valid in a way correct yes um it's like i've seen on patients you know information when i'm taking care of them excuse me um i see the list of certain things of certain illnesses and certain you know conditions and what are whatnot but they're barely treated they're treated with a handful of meds but it's also like those meds are not cheap uh from what i've seen and don't get me started with healthcare and prices and all that because that's another whole tangent <laughs> uh but it's just it's fascinating to me that healthcare as a whole it, it, it's to make a profit unfortunately that's what healthcare is all about yeah. unfortunately in america um and it's not really profitable it's, it, it's not here to benefit its citizens it's more here to put money in the pockets of someone who already has money correct and it's a it's, it's a very it's, sad realization to come to but i think is. at the same time although it's a sad realization i think it's also a healthy realization to come to in that i think if you realize that yourself you're better off for it because you're bet if you if you have that realization you're you're already 10 steps ahead of the person sitting next to you because you know that, oh, I need to really do my research on this. So I'm getting the best bang for my buck when it comes to yes. my, mental, my mental health and just my health in general. Yes, that's huge. Um, I was talking to one of the nurses at work and they were, you know, just they were chit chat back and forth. And I chimed in listening because that's what I do. Um, it's so fascinating to me the older generation of people they never question the doctors there's nothing no questions no nothing no, say, oh it, yep you're right you're the doctor they have that they and... have the md next to their name and so most people yes. typically see that and just say oh you're smarter than me so you know more than me and i can't find this information out for myself correct and that's a huge thing with unfortunately the uh, the older population is they don't ask questions they just roll with it and more and more i've seen you know younger patients i mean i typically deal with older patients because they're getting joints replaced um with some of the younger patients they ask questions they want to know like they're you know asking me questions that <laughs> obviously i have no idea the doctor or the nurse knows more <laughs> but I'm like, good, you know, these are good questions because if you don't ask them, you won't know and then so on and so forth. And I believe that people need to get into a comfortable habit as America, as America needs to, is don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't understand something in general, not just healthcare, if you don't understand something, ask questions, be inquisitive, be, you know, thoughtful and be like, hey, why does this work this way? Why is this med, you know, not working this way? And it's huge in that under uh, that statement is because people, yeah, they're a doctor, but they're still people. You can still talk to them. They'll give you a hard time. Like some of the doctors I work with, they're great. Like one, one doctor is very intimidating up front, but he shoots jokes all the time. 
Like, he's still a person. He is more than happy to answer my questions. And I'm a CNA. I'm not even the nurse. I'm not even dealing with this patient. But I can ask questions about because I'm curious. And I want to know more and say, hey, how can I help even though I'm a CNA? And they're like, that's a really good question, Jordan. Like, And they rattle off whatever that's the subject about currently. There's too much information in one point. Uh, and I can't really talk about patients and certain patients, so on and right. so forth. But I mean, it's just fascinating to me that like, I have a few doctors who one is, he's unfortunately, he, <laughs> the best way I could describe it, he is professional. That's it. And he doesn't have a lot of bedside manner, but he's very scientific, very, you know, intelligent mind. It's just, he has such that mindset that he's bedside manner is not even almost non-existent. And I've had some patients who are like, why is the, you know, why is the doctor this way? And I'm like, he's, that's just the way he thinks. His brain is wired differently. But if you ask him about anything that's like troubling the patient or, you know, they have a question about something with their, you know, the surgery or so on and so forth, he goes into such detail that like, I feel like I'm at a college course learning about that particular subject. And he loves answering questions so it makes it easier on my part of my job to understand something when i'm helping a patient and i wish more doctors were like that but back on the subject of mental health uh growing up i know this is a turn of everything um my mother has mental illness and it runs in our family um when i was younger she had an episode course this is when i was young didn't understand Uh, my mother has a chemical imbalance in her brain she has always been on medication for it when she had this episode she had a massive imbalance of chemicals in her brain that sent her off the deep end for a while until you know medication helped her um but she cannot produce enough dopamine or is it serotonin i don't remember i think it's one of those two there's multiple yeah there's yeah there's multiple um i can't remember the exact one but she can't produce enough by herself and you know at a young age i didn't understand that like why is my mom kind of always on the downside um well that's the reason the medications help her uh balance those chemicals and at first you know i have a deep dark fear unfortunately of being hooked or you know on a medication for the rest of my life that when I was younger and eh, still a little bit, but it's not a, wrong to be on medication. I learned uh, over time. Uh, some people need it for, you know, diabetes, so on and so forth, but do not be afraid of medication and do not stop taking a medication. If your doctor has prescribed it, I cannot, uh, I cannot emphasize that enough because if, a, if you have a chemical imbalance in your head, you have no way of making that chemical naturally or you do to a certain degree but you don't do it enough yeah there's not you're feeling yeah it's not enough you're feeling and you've been on this medication let's say for a week you feel great Eh, i don't need this medication anymore what that does is it took a week for that medication to fully start and this medication will continue to do this as long as you keep taking it it's not a one and done deal it's not like a thing of antibiotics where you take the antibiotics until they're done and you're good no the 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 chemicals in your brain need that balance 
continuously and that's a part of mental health um and it's just fascinating to me when people just oh you know i've stopped taking my meds and i look at them like what (laughs) just dumbfounded because you can't just stop taking an antidepressant or whatever it is um because your body will then unfortunately get used to that back and forth and then you'll have to be prescribed more from what i've seen and as anything with mental health the more you're on the more likely it could get worse like you you want to be on as minimal as you can to a degree but at the same time you don't want to just cut it off because then it can i mean like there's so many things with the the brain that's and seeing the imbalances um when i used to work at quality living inc with brain injuries people would have to be on so many medications because their brain had been damaged to where they can't produce enough of almost anything and seeing that side and then trying to reason with someone with an injury on top of a chemical imbalance is super difficult um and it takes a toll on a cna on my mindset on any cna really um talking about mental health and dealing with injuries and stuff um i think some people have to be in the right mood mindset because mental health and physical you know rehabilitation and then seeing someone progress from the lowest to low to the you know eventually somewhat of a normal life is difficult um mental health is huge in every single way i feel like i'm running on a tangent here uh (laughs) but i mean i can't stress enough to what i've seen in my own family and in my job that if you are having a bad week month year whatever do not be afraid to reach out to your doctors do not be afraid to just even if you're just talking to a very close friend or family member talk talking is huge um i've had just patients i've met for a day and a half and they discharge the next day or they tell me their life story now one person may say ah it's whatever they like you and i'm like yeah i know people like me i'm approachable i you know so on and so forth but that person they may need to get something off their chest and they may not want to do it to a family member or a close friend they might meet want to do it to me where a random stranger where they just want to let off some steam yeah. and i've had that where happen it, there, there can't times. be there's not going to be any kind of like uh, repercussions repercussion for dropping yeah. whatever that whatever it is that they are feeling at the time because i'm probably never going to see this person again whereas yep. if i unload this on a brother or a sister a mom a dad an aunt or an uncle it's oh now i have to see that person all the time in my life mm-hmm. and now they know like those deep dark feelings that i have or whatever it may be so Mm -hmm. yeah and and dealing with those emotions is difficult i mean i've i've lost multiple family members to suicide and it's it's such a huge thing to talk about it's a hard thing to talk about it really is suicide is no joke death is no joke cancer fucking sucks excuse me but 
And, uh, appropriate you say that because I'm wearing a fuck cancer shirt with Steven Bell's <laughs> face on it right now. So, <laughs> and and talking about these things, I'm not emotional right away. That I am angry, I am frustrated because there's nothing I could do in the moment. In this current state, there is nothing I can do, and it makes me frustrated and angry. So that's what happens. Like when I get you know that unfortunate bad news forever ago. That's how I dealt with it in the beginning, is I just get angry and frustrated and lash out a little bit, unfortunately. And then after a while, you know, that emotion comes back. And it's, you know, the sadness and the despair and everything. And, and then eventually, over time, that little hole, it doesn't, it doesn't heal, I would say. You learn to grow with it um, is the best way I can describe that whole. Yeah, I think I, I actually like the way you describe that because now, like nowadays, I've I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with my own mental health my entire life. And the way I describe it to people now that are currently going through a dark place is it's it's not something that you're going to fix overnight. It's not something that just goes away. Like it, it, it's something that will always be there with you. The, but it doesn't have to control you. It doesn't have to overpower you. And you, yeah. you can absolutely live a life where, yeah, I, I might have this one thing, but I'm doing good. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. You don't have to live it in a dark room surrounded by all these horrible thoughts you can absolutely get through it and climb up to the top of that hill correct and then and that, that's huge because i mean i've even had like times where i didn't know how to express my emotions um so i just went outside screamed on the top of my lungs and the thing is is some people are like oh that's kind of you know frowned upon i don't care you need to let off steam. You need to talk. You need to deal with the current emotions in that current state. And then pick up the pieces, fix your stained glass window as best as you can, and sometimes those pieces may fall out. Sometimes you have to re-pick them back up and put them back into place. And it may be a daily thing. But the thing is, is you keep pushing forward. And you keep rebuilding. You keep living with these emotions. And they eventually... It may not get better, especially with the uh, you know a loss of a family member or something like that. But you learn to live with it. But with mental health, is you gotta understand these things happen. They happen to everybody, whether you know rich or poor. Unfortunately, you gotta learn to cope, and you gotta learn to find that fine balance with your mental health of what you can withstand. And some days you might you know, be dead in the dumps and it sucks. And excuse me, <coughs> you may have to, you know, deal with it in the moment, but you have to pick yourself up. It may be a slow process, but eventually you have to learn to live with whatever's going. Um, Cause I mean, over time, I mean, I lost my uncle to cancer and it's been three years now i believe and there's still a hole there 
oh, I'll always miss my Uncle Roger. And the way I deal with it um, around holidays, especially when it's difficult, um, I make his tiramisu around Thanksgiving and Christmas. He used to make tiramisu every year. And that's what I do. I make his tiramisu in memory of him. The thing with the hole in your, you know, emotions and stuff with that person or whoever is do not let it become a gaping hole where when you think about them, you just instantly get sad. Well, you're right. keeping him, the, that person alive in your memory. You got to You got to remember that because when losing someone like that, someone who's so, inf you know, influenced your life. Is, yeah, there's a hole there, but don't let it spiral out of control whenever you think about them and get sad or mad or angry or whatever. Be happy that you had that time with that person is the best way I can describe it because what if I never met my uncle and I never knew him? I like That's the scenario I go to because then I wouldn't have all these wonderful experiences I've had with him and so on and so forth. Excuse me. And kind of backing of the, like, losing a family member is, like you said, it's never easy. And it, when you think of them, you are keeping them alive. And part of part of me because I lost my stepdad two years ago to alcoholism and up until like recently I every time I think about him it's either very good memories or very dark memories and mm -hmm. I you just gotta think to yourself do I do I want to keep their memory and that them alive with these horrible dark memories or do do I want to cling to the joyful in the fun times that I shared with that person. Like for me, one of the memories I cling to the most with my stepdad is there was a Saturday morning. I woke up, he was at the kitchen table on the computer re-watching one scene from Mallrats over and over <laughs> again. And it was the scene, if nobody has seen Mallrats, it has Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith standing in front of a glass window and there's kittens on the other side and Jay is tapping on the glass and they're they're kind of like playing with the kittens on the other side of the glass it was his favorite scene and we sat there for hours watching that scene over and over again and watching several other scenes from Mallrats on YouTube and so when I begin to get sad about his passing and I feel angry and resentful for him giving up on himself and letting the alcoholism take over I just try to focus on that memory that's the memory I tried to cling to when I have those thoughts because and I'm gonna get a little personal and I haven't told many people this but I went to a bachelor party a few weeks back and it made me realize how much I started to use alcohol to get over him. And for me, that's especially bad because I know 
that I have some sort of mental illness or mental there I don't know exactly what but I know that there's something not right there and so I just drank and I said oh I was drinking with friends and all these people because it's a bachelor party and that's what you do yep but it was the first time I had ever blacked out drunk Mm. and waking up the next morning and having to talk to your brother on the phone and hear him tell you that you screamed at everybody and said how much you wanted to kill yourself and that it should have been you and not him having to hear that has really helped me get try to get back and improve my own mental health and get pushed through it and really cling to those good memories because if you just if you just keep focusing on what happened you'll never get better it always that hole will always remain there that is true and unfortunately to put it in a lighter sense we unfortunately pick up the habits of those who raised us no matter how hard you try and I pick at my skin probably a little too much unfortunately that's my bad habit is I pick and I pick I have lots of scars on my body because of it um because I nitpick Kate she bites her nails um, when she's nervous or anxious, whichever. And the thing is, is we can't let those habits control us. We also have to remember that with alcoholism and many, many other things, um, it grows. And I've seen it consume lives. Like my uncle, uh, not my uncle, excuse me, my cousin Jason. He lost his job. Well, luckily, he didn't have to worry about work because his wife, Pam, made buku amounts of money. Didn't have to worry about money. But in his eyes, he's thought, oh, I don't have, I don't have a job. I'm a useless bum. So I'm going to drink. Well, unfortunately, he drank and he drank and he drank. Unfortunately, Pam... His wife, my uh, technically my cousin-in-law's Pam. My cousin was Jason, and we got to a point where Pam says, "You're being violent around the kids. So if you don't cut this shit off, basically to put it lightly, I'm going to divorce you because you're threatening me and the kids whenever you're drunk." So eventually, he didn't stop. Because he wouldn't adhere to his wife, wouldn't go get counseling, wouldn't do anything. He goes, ah, I'm fine the way I am. Eventually, he killed himself. Because of everything that happened. He never took control. And then what sucked the most is his parents blamed it all on Pam. Now, that was never easy for me to understand, of course. I was the time and I didn't understand it 
And then I, as I grew older, I kind of realized that his parents were looking for an outlet. They were angry. They need that scapegoat. Yep. And I didn't understand, obviously. But now, as I see it, and I see it so much in certain patients as well, alcoholism is a massive issue in America. It's huge. Um, and the bad thing about it is it is a downer. So when you drink, yeah, in the moment you are feeling happy or, you know, you feel good, you're buzzed, yeah. you know, you know. but you, ultimately you feel it as is a if downer. you're on top of the world when you have been mm-hmm. drinking, like, yep. and it's, I think that for my stepdad, it. I don't even know if he was happy when he was drunk either. And that I think that's been the biggest thing about his passing for me is I don't know if he truly was happy or if he literally he gave up to the point where he was drinking so much because he knew eventually it would lead to his death. Yeah, and it's 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 scary to see in the healthcare world. And on top of these issues we're talking about with alcoholism is it's technically it's almost a medication almost um because even when someone drinks every night they get in that routine and then when they come have surgery at where i work they have to cut booze for a day and a half and it gets to a point where certain patients have to get a beer, a medical beer, and this is not a joke. They get a medical beer at work, at the, at while they're staying, because they are so dependent on that. And it, it's it frightens me. Yeah. That as a society, that's okay. Yeah, we've gotten to a point where our doctors are even at the point of, although they depend on so much, let's get them a beer. Mm-hmm. They just had surgery, but here's a beer because we know that it could be damaging to the rest of your body. Yeah, because they're in such a state of withdrawal. And I've seen it happen with my brother. And it was frightening to hear that I almost lost my brother one night because his body went through a withdrawal. And. Mm-hmm to hear that now he was on medication because he was having seizures because he couldn't drink anymore. His he, The doctor told him, like, you can't drink, but his body also needed alcohol. Yep. And the so body became he had dependent. to go on several medication just to keep himself, to keep his body essentially afloat. Mm-hmm. And it, it was it was scary and terrifying to hear that and to know that I was headed down the same road because I wasn't I wasn't able to face my own demons in my own pit and so I followed my stepdad's path and I followed his path. And what's crazy, Shane? is literally just us talking about this on your podcast 
is doing a lot more for you and a lot more for me than we both think. Um, it's crazy. It's the best way I can describe it is you're you're spouting nonsense, for example, or just talking. Me and you just talking. Yeah. But it's enough to chit chat with each other, chit chat with all the people that are listening. That it's almost like we're balls of yarn in there when we're kind of knitting it just chit-chatting barely not maybe very well because <laughs> you know i'm not a good knitter but we're we're kind of slowly compromising it and slowly getting more comfortable with it and so on and so forth where you know we're going to be okay if we keep talking about it and that's that's the huge thing with mental health not just alcoholism not with you know our own demons mental health as a whole you gotta talk. Yeah. It, it it's it's uncomfortable. It really yeah, is. It's to to essentially sit there if say you're going to therapy and you have a therapist sitting in front of you, to even sit in that chair and look at a person you don't know across from you and tell them, Oh, I had a bad day because I had a customer get mad at me because I couldn't do anything for them or because someone cut me off even talking about something like that small is still hard because mm-hmm. we're talking about how we felt in that moment. And so if you if you even manage to say something like that and tell somebody how you feel because of someone cutting you off while you're driving, pat yourself on the back. Give yourself a little bit of gratitude and say, you know what, I did it. I was able to tell someone how I felt. Because it's a scary thing. Because we've gro- we've all been in part of this life where you shouldn't tell people how you feel, and especially nowadays where social media like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are so prevalent in our society, and everybody puts on a fake smile and tries to look perfect, mm-hmm. and if you don't, you get essentially shunned for yeah. It. It, it can be a scary thing to do. And so if you if you can take that time and tell someone how you felt about someone cutting you off, pat yourself on the back. Because that's, that's a larger step than most people take. It is. It, it, it's huge. Don't get me started on me. Because that's a bunch of malarkey, if you ask me to put it lightly. Um, but the thing is, is just talking is is huge i used to be very you know shut off to the world uh, you know i don't talk about anything to anybody except for a handful of people but with you know growing up and realizing certain things is if i don't talk about these things they're gonna eat me and i didn't understand that phrase you know bottling it up and leaving it for later to explode i didn't understand that phrase until as i got older and certain emotions you know were swimming in me and I didn't know how to deal with them because I never talked about them before. So when I met Kate, I was in a very dark place. Um, I just got out of a very bad relationship and I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to deal with half of my emotions uh, because I was used and abused and I was left with the debt. And I was trying to work that off, you know, trying to pick up my feet and move on. And Kate just listened. 
And when you have someone that just listens and doesn't try to, you know, make a snarky comment every five minutes and just listens, it does wonders. Kate, we're both each other's rocks. And I'm not very, like, I am very upfront now that I'm more comfortable, obviously, with my emotions and stuff. I'm very upfront with her. If I'm having a bad day, if something happened, boom, I tell her. Kate, she's a little more reserved. She doesn't like dealing with the emotions. But when it's when she's more comfortable, when it's time, she'll let me know. And that's the thing is you got to have balance too when you're talking. You can't just talk somebody's ear off and then not expect some sort of response. And you got to be able to take feedback. You got to be able to take notes. You got to be able to listen to them too. Because you can't always be a burden like I used to feel like. Um, that's why I listen so much to my patients as a CNA. I just listen. I make a few comments here and there. But working with people for so long, for five years, sometimes that's all they need is a shoulder to cry on or just to talk to. And that does wonders for people and your mental health. And as a society, as America, I wish it wasn't like to a point where they look at it and like, ugh, you know, and discuss it. And it, it makes me frustrated because I don't watch the news anymore. They I, promote so much yeah, I, negativity. I, I can't. I can't. It's gotten to a point where I, I cannot watch just regular cable news at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the breaking points for me with like cable news was shootings because it it's become a point of if there's any kind of mass shooting whether it's at a school at a concert wherever it is it becomes a point of everybody to push the narrative of it's either to blame on gun control laws or video games or movies but there's never the conversation of oh this person was suffering some from some form of mental illness and wasn't given the right treatment because the he thing had is, that is, illness he was shipped yeah. away yeah and, and they'll they'll mention the mental illness they won't say what kind they won't say you know it was this or this or that and they will they'll just say mental illness and then they kind of brush it underneath the rug and don't talk about it and also it reminds me talking about unfortunately about alcoholism the day of New Year's Eve last year, I was at work and, you know, doing my normal thing. And, you know, there was a news channel. They were talking about booze to a point where it disgusted me as a society and as media because it's okay to get drunk out of your goddamn mind. They, that's what they preached. Maybe not in exact words. They're like, oh, yeah, be safe, yada, yada, yada. But they're like, let's get crunk. Let's just go wild on New Year's Eve. And I'm like, you're promoting something that got over 70% of the patients I used to work with at my old job. 
there. Car, drunken driving got more patience at my old job because it's almost normalized. It's still looked down upon. But the, the whole alcoholism as a whole in the country is such huge thing. It's 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 turned a blind eye almost I to think, where I think you hit on ahead. something though that's really important that I feel is very much glossed over where our society we look so like we look down upon alcoholism so much while at the same time we promote alcohol oh yeah in such a big way and it's such a big market for companies to be in mm-hmm. that it it really makes this weird paradigm and it it kind of explains suicide rates that are connected to alcohol because we promote the use of alcohol so much but at the same time if you're an alcoholic or you suffer from alcoholism people essentially look down at you and tell you there's something wrong with you and like oh you there's no help for you yep and there there is help out there but it's 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 to a point where uh, society almost goes oh you need help for that yeah that, that mentality where it's like oh why do you need help with that that shouldn't be a problem but right. but the thing is is america media all that stuff with alcoholism tying into mental health it's huge uh, like i said before alcoholism is a downer it it eventually will bring you down yeah and it'll get to a point where you might start drinking every night and feeling fine when you're when you're buzzed or you finally reach that point of being drunk but eventually over time it won't have that effect and you won't feel happy anymore even though you're drinking every night and it's just I'm not like, just talking about having a beer like having a shot two three four five six and drinking hard liquor well, one drink always leads to another unfortunately yes um and it's 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 just crazy to me because just as a whole it's it's this whole like almost tug of war with the media and then like oh this person you know is a drunk accident and no one wants to discuss helping you know that that side of things and uh, and and working with the healthcare i can name off at least the, just last week i had for the three days I worked, I had at least 10 of my patients out of three days say, oh, yeah, I could use a, you know, I could use a drink. And I'm like, how? I didn't ask this because I don't like to pry. But I'm just wondering why I wondered to myself, how often, how many people, have, I should say, that I've met at this new job I'm at for how long have they each had a drink how often do they have a drink and why is it normalized why why is it you know oh yeah i have a drink every night or two or three why and i mean it's just it just baffles me that's normal and i understand having a drink every now and then 
but like to a point where you're having it every night and that's not considered alcoholism then I, I don't understand then right and it, it, it's just crazy to me yeah I think because right now obviously right now I'm I'm not drinking there's been a mm-hmm. bottle of absolute juice in my fridge for or in my freezer for probably going on two months at this point I'll leave it there and it just being able to come home and not reach for my shot glass and reach for that bottle every night i i pat myself on the back for because mm-hmm. i realized that i wasn't drinking because i liked it i was drinking because i wanted to forget the image of my stepdad laying on our floor and i wanted to forget what he was like while he was drunk um he was a very intelligent man and the last two years of his life i didn't even recognize him yeah and he he loved british culture he loved british literature and it got to a point where he he just seemed like he didn't care about anything especially british culture and british literature he especially didn't care about my mother that much anymore, no matter how much he said it. And so my drinking became, I want to forget that, those last two years. Yep. And I didn't care what it was. It'd be Crown, it'd be vodka, it would be any form of whiskey I could get. And when I was packing, I realized how many baggies or bags from crown royal i had and it it made me angry that's an appropriate response sorry continue it made me angry but also it kind of in a weird way what happened the night of the bachelor party and seeing all those bags made me happy in a weird way because it made me come to a realization of, oh, I wasn't better. But now that this happened and I'm coming to that realization, I can get better. And I can start yes. helping myself and my own mental health. And that's that's huge, Shane. Um, accepting that, shit, I need to work on myself. This is a problem. And realizing that is huge that's the first step of any issue is realizing that especially with mental health that this whatever this subject is whatever this you know issue is that i'm having that you realize it's an issue and you realize you need to work on it the thing is is you need to also act whether you say hey buddy of mine i need your help or i'm going to throw out all my booze or i'm going to throw out all the you know drugs just in general but the throw out the bad habits too um throwing those out the window it's it's hard to go cold turkey and so on and so forth with those issues but it's also the same thing with mental health as you also have to realize it is a problem it is an issue you have to correct it you have to take steps in order to realize it's a problem and then you always uh, also have to take steps into taking account for it 
and making sure you're moving on and getting better with whatever it is depression anxiety whatever i have to take steps now when i'm feeling anxious girl knock it off sorry cat um I have to take steps when I'm getting anxious to stop, breathe, realize what's going on, take a moment, step out of the situation if I have to, and then go back. Like just today, I went to go get an oil change. I pace. That's what I do. A lot of people say, oh, is it because you're anxious or nervous? I'm like, no, I just pace. It's just because I need to keep moving. Yeah. I don't know probably is part of the part of the anxious part but there was a lot more people at the uh place than i anticipated and i don't like crowds and all of a sudden i kept working myself up and i'm like well what's going on i feel my heart racing i'm like wait a minute this is like the first step so i just told him hey i'm gonna go step outside if you need me to the lady or whatever when i was getting my guard my old change and i just went outside breathed Took a moment. That breathe. Breathing is huge for me now. And, you know, I almost had a panic attack at, at, at getting an oil change, of all the things. And Gandalf, you adorable bastard, knock it off. Um, like, of all things, I was going to have a panic attack at an oil change. Where there was only, yeah, you know, about ten people there. Why? I don't know. My nerves got the best of me. But I took control of the situation, and I walked out. I went and got fresh air, breathed, realized I was working myself up for no reason. And kind of tying that into alcoholism and mental health, you got to take action. You got to realize what you're doing, see if it's good, see if it's bad, take control of it, go get help and i'm not and I'm, I'm not downplaying this because i've seen my own mother crying for no reason out of nowhere she just ball this was before she got control of it and she went and got help she brought me and my brother and my father to her therapist she went and outreached. That was huge for my mother. She is not one to do that. Sometimes you have to get uncomfortable with those you're comfortable with. And I cannot stress this enough with family members, with friends. If you cannot get uncomfortable with them and they feel uncomfortable when you do that to where they don't care, and unfortunately, they are not your friends or family in my book, because I have a few of those in my family. And if they don't take the time to just sit and listen, like we are just chit-chatting back and forth here, then sorry to say they are not worth your time. No, they aren't. And, and, and I think, I don't mean to cut you off. Um <laughs> I think You're a good, fine. I think a good point with that is people not everybody is meant to be in your life forever and I think 
being able to distinguish who should be there and who shouldn't is a very big step. Knowing the people that are toxic in your life and the people that are good in your life is something you really need to reflect on. And understanding that not everybody is going to be your friend for 30 years or 40 years down the road is important too. Um, people people come in seasons mm-hmm. and I've known a lot of a lot of people and I've lost a lot of people because of drug addiction not death wise but just there's a kid back in California that we were amazing friends and just one day I realized he wasn't good for me because he started drinking he started mm-hmm. smoking weed I had no problem with him smoking weed I did the same thing but then it led to weed led to one thing that led to another I got told by his ex-girlfriend the following summer that he tried to force himself upon her several times and knowing this at first I blamed drugs and alcohol but also I had to think about whether it was the drugs and alcohol or if it was just that's just who he was deep down and part of me was glad I cut him from my life because he didn't see it as a problem and he wanted everybody to just it, it was a constant party for him mm. there was no slowing down and so I didn't need that in my life I will say this I am not a very person but some people they need that they need that you know go talk to you go talk to your pastor or whoever like it's another person to talk to and that's the thing is i used you know i was a christian for a long time and for my own i i just it's it's another whole subject uh but it's just another whole subject religion and with me anyways um with that whole oral deal but uh some people like i'm trying to remember here um some people need their faith restored and i'm not saying cut that off it 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 is it is a valuable resource it is a very useful thing when you need it um i just personally don't see that anymore um I'm agnostic. Let's just keep it at that. We'll get into this subject another time. Um, but I mean, use your resources, friends, family, your pastor, whoever, and talk. I think a good thing too is even if you're not religious, go to a church, find one close to you, just go there and see if there's a pastor you can talk to. Cause you never know. Yeah. Uh, there's this weird stereotype or something in our culture where people think that pastors won't talk to you unless you are religious and that's just not true 
most pastors will sit down with everybody and just talk to them. Whether you go to church or not, if you go in there and you sit down and or you ask to speak to him because you're just having a bad time, I guarantee you that pastor, if he has the time, he will take he will take that time and sit with you and talk to you. His words might come from his beliefs in the Bible, but that's fine because those words can really help. And I, I know this because I am currently, every Thursday, I have a, it's called Grief Share, and it takes place in a church. And I'm not very religious. Um, I didn't grow up in a very religious household. I grew up believing in heaven and hell and God and Lucifer and, but it was never forced upon me. I never studied the Bible. And so for me, going into something like that is very weird. I feel very uncomfortable. But a lot of the things they say help. Hearing that, hearing other people's stories of having their children die or from some, from a complication in, during childbirth or having their son get hit by a car losing a um, husband or a wife has really helped because even though they're all religious and their words are coming from the Bible I can still hear how they've dealt with it and Mm -hmm. it still helps me in the end we are all human (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) we all have our issues we all have our problems it's okay to talk about them and I think that's the biggest thing with mental health in America is it's kind of hushed hush and it's a very taboo subject to it speak is about. and, and I, it shouldn't be it should be I hope to normalize it I hope it's okay to go see your friend and all of a sudden you're like hey I'm having a bad day can I talk about it like can we talk about this issue and I hope it becomes so normal that when someone's having a bad day, someone is, they someone goes out of their way to some random ass person. You don't know them, but you take a little bit of time out of your day to sit down and listen and talk and say, "Hey, I'm no goddamn medical profession, <laughs> but maybe you should get to looking into something if that person needs it. Maybe they just needed to talk to you. Go. I don't know." I think another good point too is go go to your boss at work and talk to him about health insurance because believe it or not a lot of places in your health insurance they provide some sort of counseling whether mm-hmm. it's you get the first three sessions free or you only pay a fraction of the cost a lot of places nowadays do offer some sort of counseling with their health care yep and so don't it's, be afraid. It's a start. <laughs> don't be afraid to go in and talk to your boss about the healthcare and what they offer, because you might be surprised. You might be able to get the first three sessions free, and that might be all you need. Just go mm-hmm. in. I've times. I've had multiple coworkers of mine say, "Hey, that's what I needed," you know, to someone to talk to, and it's not just a coworker. It's someone who's you know good at that. 
Yeah, that's their job. Counselors, counselors <laughs> can appear scary, but they're not. They're just people. <laughs> and they've exactly. Been, they've been they've been trained to talk to people that are struggling with all types of cases. Because believe me, you mm. walk in there, you might think your case is especially um, different, and they've never heard anything like it. But I can guarantee you, out of the thousand of people they've probably talked to, yours is down on the list of being or yours is closest to being normal. And, yeah. and it's not to downplay any problem someone is going through. It's just to put it, you just have to understand that you're not the only one struggling with this. And Every, whatever, everyone is struggling with something. And whatever you're yeah. struggling with, someone has struggled with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And talking about mental health and the movie Joker, it, it really, you know, it really showed the dark side of mental health. And, and, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and I also am, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a mockery of what our country is going through almost um, with mental health, cutting funds, cutting this, cutting that. There's, it's almost not existent in our society. Um, but yet the media keeps pushing it away and so on and so forth. Um, eventually i'm afraid of the future with mental health um because either it will get better which is good i want that side or it'll get to a point where people won't take it anymore and it'll get ugly um i i fear that if we don't start taking care of our mental health and normalizing it um it it's going to get ugly because people you keep pushing people to a point and they will break just like in the movie joker it's it's people are going to get pissed people you know i'm afraid of that that scenario will it happen anytime soon i doubt it but it's just crazy to me that as a society it's just pushed away and seeing so much of it before I started working as a CNA. It's crazy to me. Yeah. That it isn't more of an issue to talk about and normalize. And I think, I think going off the case of like something like the Joker, what, what interests me so much about that after seeing that movie is that movie set in it what's supposed to be New York in like the 1980s. I, I believe. believe so. But everything they discuss in that movie, whether it be verbally or just by showing it, is all relevant in today's society. Mm-hmm. And in the time period of that movie, they didn't have social media. Kids uh-uh. weren't growing up living on Instagram and Twitter where if they say one thing wrong, they are tarnished. Their name is completely tarnished. And that is, that can have such a giant impact on someone's mentality to the point that they might feel like they need to kill themselves or kill the people who they feel have wronged them. And it's a, it's it's scary. It's very scary how we keep brushing aside (laughs) <laughs> all these warning flags 
They keep popping up, but we keep putting them under the rug like nobody's business. And I just wish as a whole society things would change in a heartbeat, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> uh, not with this Wish, government. It's Ahem. wishful thinking. Yes, wishful thinking. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, I just it's 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 saddened to see that more and more kids. Like when I grew up, I had to worry about little shit, and now I'm like all this. I mean, technology is good in a you know in a certain way with mental health, but it's also very, it's very, very downgrading. Yeah, it's very detrimental. It it really is meant like cyberbullying and all that stuff tying into mental health is huge you know you want to be the you know the popular one so on and so forth everybody does a little bit and social media connects everybody so quickly and the thing is is people live on that and then as soon as they go down they go down hard and as a society i wish we weren't like that but i i can't stop technology Hello, welcome back. I forgot where we left off. <laughs> I can't remember either. Such a short time period. Um, Something about social media and with mental health. Yeah. So, and kind of going off into another direction, but still sort of in that world of social media with something like what we're doing right now on a podcast or if you're a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer or any kind of personality too, there's this big talk over the last few years about people taking breaks because of their own mental health and like the state their mental health is in and feeling as if they have to share their entire lives with their community. For me, looking at a content creator someone that's on social media 24 7 discussing mental health um this honestly might trigger a couple people but <laughs> i feel like a lot of them don't really suffer from true mental illness or a true mental health issue more of they just need to go outside yeah, sometimes like, you need just to get I, away. I feel I feel as if they're almost diminishing people who truly suffer from that because they just don't know how to put put the phone down or turn off the camera. And and, and to the one and to the people who take breaks, and you know because of their mental health and other issues in the world. I applaud them. Um, it takes a lot. Because when I called into work, I'm like, look, I'm having you know a panic attack. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm calling in. And luckily, I you know, was talking to a person who was like, okay, like, don't worry about it. Yeah, they understand. That, that alone, the don't worry about it, will manage was huge to me like because i was taking care of myself i wasn't thinking about work i wasn't thinking about anything else and that meant so much to me and 
and I applaud those who do take breaks, who say, hey, I need to focus on me right now. That's huge. Yeah. Most people, like, wouldn't even think of that. And and that is also another first step at thing, like we were talking about. You got to heal. Yeah. You got to give yourself, you got to give your body and your mind time to repair itself. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you only get one body. You only get one. Unfortunately. And a lot of people don't realize if you're if you're struggling with something mentally, it can have serious side effects physically. I've I've had several times where I've gone through a large um, time of just depression, and I was sick all the time. Uh, I was gaining a lot of weight, and I had no energy. There was no motivation to do anything. And I think part of it was I was I was working a lot. Um, I wasn't taking breaks. I, I wasn't going outside. I would come home and I'd just sit in my room, blinds closed, TV on. And it, do, it that doesn't do anything for you. That doesn't repair anything. Your body needs sunlight. It needs... It needs fresh air and just taking the time to go outside for an hour a day could have drastic effects, not only physically, but mentally. Mm -hmm. Like when me and Kate go camping, we don't, we throw our phones in the car and turn them off. And for like three to four days, we're just in the moment. And I cannot tell you how much that helps me when we go camping it's just away from the world just with family because it's usually on my my side that we go camping with every year and it's just three four days but three four days without a single piece of technology and just good cooking good food outside that does wonders for me and like you were talking about how you went outside for like an hour. Like I, when I'm having my anxiety, I go out for less than five minutes and I'm better. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was a few times <laughs> I had to walk out in certain scenarios because I couldn't just, it baffled me what some people think, but that's another whole subject. Um, but I like, Hey, I got to tag out. Like I got to get away from this situation. I got to breathe before I blow. Right. And and the thing is is my coworkers they've picked up on that. And I picked up on their little things where they need a hand or I'd tag in with or tag out with them, so on and so forth. And dealing with people was huge. Dealing with people's not easy. No. Um No it is I mean, not. <laughs> <laughs> even with the customer like you you're a customer you know you deal with customers i deal with patients who are in pain yeah. um people are like oh that's those are two whole different things eh, and, to a degree yes yeah to a, to a but, to, like to a certain point it is different but at the end of the day it's you're dealing with another person you're dealing with people and i like people luckily <laughs> I, that, I do to a certain extent <laughs> i feel like everybody does um 
I like people. I love, I only get to know my patients for a day and a half sometimes because they discharge so quickly because of surgery. Um, but the thing is, is I get to hear their story. I get to get to know them a little bit. Some days, some days it's busier than others and I don't get to do that, but I take little stories from them and that's what I enjoy with people. And, but hearing all those stories, it weighs on you. Um, I know it does for me on occasion. Like there's some days I'm just like, I am not in the mood to deal with people, but that's my job. So I got to do it. So I put a smile on my face when I go and I kind of, I just let my coworkers know, Hey, I'm kind of eh today. <laughs> and they, you know, like, all right, you know, and then they just keep an eye on me, which is nice. And, um, but I cannot stress enough that having people to rely on, even in the workplace, makes a huge impact on my day-to-day job. Like, just being able to say, hey, can you tag out with me because this patient is, you know, just driving me up a wall. I can't, like, I've tried everything, yada, yada, yada. And that could go to the same with, you know, a customer. They're driving me up a wall. I can't do anything. Can you just, like, you know... Can you handle it, basically? Yeah, can you, can you take over? And, I've tried everything, and this isn't working, and I'm about to rip their head off. Sort yeah, of yeah. you're about to blow up, and you don't want to get to that point. That's why you you know, you know, swap out. And just that alone, having that... that uh, I mean, some people you may work with, and you might not have that, because unfortunately some people are not the greatest. But that saying, do just give up on your dream job whichever that may be or your job in general because in one thing money sucks second um don't let it wear you out i've worked at places where i'm saying i quit in two weeks and they just bye don't be afraid of not having a job sometimes i've worked some places where they didn't even bat an eye and sometimes people some people need to hear this because they'll do they'll go head over heels for their job and i'm not saying that's bad but don't get abused don't don't let your workplace abuse you and i've i've worked in scenarios where like that where i'm like oh i gotta be a good employee i gotta you know be there for the the mission or whatever and it i think and sorry go ahead and it and it and it weighs on you if you it, like it, you want to be that good employee, but if the job doesn't bat an doesn't bat an eye when you leave, then that job wasn't worth it. And I think you're going you're you're going in a really good direction because I've I've had this conversation with many people before in that you you got to find a job that makes you happy, whether it's your dream job or not. If you can wake up in the morning and not grown every single day that you have to go to that place to work in a nine to five or whatever it is that you're working that's good because if like me right now at my current job I've gotten to a point where I groan and every time I realize oh today I have to work is a struggle to get myself to move out of the door and go to work and that can be that can be very 
damaging to your own mental health and let's say you're working on your mental health and you're trying to get better but it's not working because you're not happy with your current job or your current employer and that's something that you need to fix whether it be oh I just need to change departments at my job or I need to find somewhere new and you don't have to do it in any kind of rude way you can just say like when you put in that two weeks and if your job does care and they're like well why your explanation could honestly just be honest and tell them like I'm not happy here because mm-hmm. and honesty truly is the best policy even if and the thing is is some people may look down upon you on that excuse my language here but I don't give a f- fuck what they think if it's in the betterment of your mental health overall and you do it to change yourself to make yourself feel better to make grow into a better person they don't need that yeah they they, they didn't deserve you then it goes it this entire episode honestly does sound a little bit about us just rambling and there's no real flow to it but (laughs) it everything we've said really does fall back into one another because like like jordan just said if if someone's not happy because you're deciding to leave because you're not happy with your current situation then fuck them i mean it you should never appeal to someone else if it's gonna make you worse if that makes sense you should never sacrifice your own mental health because someone is mad at you. You come first. You you should yeah. never put anyone above your own needs. And that goes for parents. I'm sorry. It does. To a certain extent, obviously. But at the end of the day, if you just need time to chill, tell your kids, like, go play outside. Go play outside, get some sun, or go over there and play. Take time for yourself, whether that be 10 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour. Take time for yourself. Fix, figure out what it is in your life that's making you unhappy, whether it's your job, your current living situation, people around you. Take the time, figure it out, and fix it. Because if you don't, it's just gonna get worse. I I didn't fix um, I didn't fix my current situation, and I feared that one day I was going to explode. And that day came, and it came at the most inopportune time for me. I was drinking. I was with a couple people I didn't know, and I made a complete ass out of myself. And that's on <laughs> me. And now I'm trying to better myself. Go to the gym. Even if you're not lifting weights, go to the gym and get on a treadmill. Go outside for a run. Hell, get a punching bag and hit a bag a few times. Let that anger out. Let the whatever whatever you're feeling, anger, sadness, whatever it is, let those emotions out. Just and, don't let and... them out on someone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To a certain degree, I mean, like you, you have to talk about it yes. too, but like, don't let it yes. over get to a point where it overwhelms you and 
you blow up at that person. You don't want that extent. And yeah, I know we're I know we've been kind of just going on and off about different subjects with mental health, and, it, and the thing is, is almost every aspect of your life somehow relates to your mental health, and you have to take care of yourself and, and mentally and physically. But I mean, mentally, it's it's such a it plays a huge role on yourself that you if you don't take care of yourself mentally, it's going to affect you in the long run. And, and I mean, that's what we're just trying to get at right here is just take the time out of your, you know, your day, week, whatever. And, you know, I wouldn't say go treat yourself to like a glamorous life if you can, but <laughs> to where, I mean, just, you got to take care of yourself and make yourself better yeah. mentally. Yeah. Don't, like you said, don't treat yourself because that's not, that's, that shouldn't be what it's about. You shouldn't be going out and treating yourself. You should be taking time be to... Be building yourself. Yeah, you should be building yourself up and reflecting on what you're doing currently and making sure that what you're doing is what's making... what's going to make you happy. Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters, is making sure you're happy with your current situation and what's going on. And, and also, I should reiterate, don't don't be afraid of those sad days or bad days they happen <laughs> they yeah. happen to everybody and it's it's like i like to call it it's a little hiccup in your road or a little speed bump in your road to your overall recovery of your mental health and physical health it's just a hiccup it'll go away you'll you'll as long as you keep working at it it'll just be a hiccup and if it lasts a week two weeks don't let it disparage you because it sometimes it lasts an hour sometimes it lasts a month i've i've gone through mm -hmm. moments of i'm actually happy i'm genuinely happy with where i'm at and what i'm doing and then all of a sudden a switch it's literally just like a switch getting turned on and i'm sad but i don't know why and that's just that there's no reason for it but I know that all I have to do is work through it and it'll it'll go away. Mm -hmm. And it's just like anything. If you keep working hard enough at it, it'll get better. It's it's constant. It, it'll there's always going to be that climb. Because if there's no climb, then what are we living for? There should always be something we're striving to get to. Whether whether it being getting our mental health back on track or whether it being getting that promotion at work or like for me, trying to write a script and finish that script. There should always be something in life that we're working towards because if mm -hmm. there's not, then why are we here? Honestly, exactly. go, Never. go online and look up something, learn something new. And like you, you want to write that script, and that's why I like to paint minis. Like I enjoy painting minis. Like I found something that I enjoy, and I consume it. I, 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 you know. Luckily, Kate likes to do it too, and we just work together on it. And it's it's you know something that I enjoy, 
And if you can find something that you enjoy to that degree, that'll help you tremendously as well. Don't don't be afraid either to try something new. Mm-hmm. Like don't. if if you're a gamer and but your games haven't been bringing you the same joy they used to, don't be afraid to go out and try something new. If you don't really play basketball or you've never really played basketball, go out and try to learn. Find a group in your town or city that you can join to learn. Make new friends. Get out there. But And also never, ever be afraid to ask questions. Never. If you're going to the That's gym... That's one thing I learned quick. Like, if you're going to the gym, but you don't know true workout routines or how to use an equipment, go up and ask somebody. Ask the front desk. Ask somebody you see that was using them prior. Be like, hey, I'm, I'm not, like very athletic but i want to start getting healthy and but i don't know how to use this you you'd be surprised how many people in the world are truly friendly i know our society doesn't paint it that way but there's a lot of people out there that are just friendly and if you just walk up and go hey i'm not used to using this machine can you teach me i'm more than more than likely they will show you and Guess what? You probably just made a new friend. Get out and yeah. live life. All right, I guess that's, I guess that's our tangent. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't got much else. Um, but I think it would be pretty fun to close this out on a less downer note and more of a uh, <laughs> review style. We we kind of mentioned it earlier. You, you want to do a quick little review of Joker? It kind of fits sure. with our topic of today. And we mentioned it, it earlier. It really does. I'll let, um, I'll let you go first. What, what was your thought on Joker? Right. Dark is the first word I would use. <laughs> Dark. Uh, it, it's, it is not for the faint of heart. Um, it, it depicts mental health like we were talking about today. It is something that you must realize that this this is an issue for some people and they need to be treated and they, you know they need to be you know helped and so on and so forth. And but the thing is is it it, it shows Joker human. You don't get to see a lot of that and him slowly giving in i mean in the scenario he's in he it didn't help all the things happening at once it it it, it, gotham helped made joker and he slowly gave in now i know it's technically fictional but like it's scary to think that movie who knows? Even though it's fictional and takes place with this fictional world and this character, it paints it in such a way that like you truly understand, oh, this this could happen in our society. Mm-hmm. Like like I said earlier, this movie might take place in this New York style eighties world, but so many of the issues that they're talking about weren't even factors in the eighties, but there's still factors today and it does a really good job at painting that image and telling you like that yeah this is fictional but 
hey, guess what? This could happen. There could be someone out here that goes this far. And I think that's this the scary far. part. And and there's this meme that I found, and it goes, creating the Joker in 1989, throw him into a vat of chemicals. And it said, creating the Joker in 2019, it goes, throw him to society. And Whew. it's true, society in the movie created the joker i mean unfortunately he had mental illnesses and that led you know kept furthering yeah, that, down that the helped, rabbit hole that helped it um expand mm-hmm. and then when he got funding cut off you know it, it went downhill from there and everything and then also it kind of goes into social media like a little bit into the movie where you know they made fun of him on the show or whatever yeah and... I, I think, honestly, if I could interject really quick, I think that's one mm-hmm. of my favorite points in the movie because that's after he the um, Arkham Hospital loses the funding and Joker loses that little ounce of help he, he did have to where he could just mm-hmm. go and talk. Like there was someone that just sat there and listened, even though he doesn't think they are. Yeah, there was that person that he could just go and spill out everything he's feeling, and so at that point where he's on national television getting made fun of for his stand-up, he doesn't have that anymore. He doesn't have that safety mm-hmm. net, and now he's standing in the hospital room of his mother, who he doesn't know if it is his mother or not, or who his dad is. Spoilers. Um, yeah, spoilers. Whoops. <laughs> I'll probably try to put something in, maybe. I don't know. but sp- And so for him to see an idol of his make fun of him on national television is what truly damages him and throws him to the curb, f- uh, figuratively, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where I went with that. But, I mean, he, he it, it, like, it, it just depicts Joker human. I mean, yes, he had mental illnesses and on top of that, but it shows him not... He struggled so hard. And he was trying and trying and trying until society said, eh, we don't care about you. And then he goes, then you can have me at my worst. Yeah. It's very much a story of, oh, we don't care about you. We don't care about you now. But spoilers, um, at the end, when he's doing all this horrible shit, people care and people are watching him. Yep. And now he's part of the show again because of it. And so he thinks it's funny in his demented form of view that, oh, people are watching now. Me, people are watching and caring about me doing this, doing that, doing this, instead of me being kind and me being nice. I'm going to do the opposite because people will watch. People will laugh in his demented mind. And it, it's scary to see in the movie just because when you think about it, we do this nowadays. Like, yep so much of what's popular and we watch is people people doing, I'm using air quotes, but prank others in public 
but they're not pranking. They're just being assholes. And doing, <laughs> yep. I guess not like horrible shit like Joker does in the movie, but like they're not being kind. They're being assholes. They call it pranks, but it's really just them being a fucking nuisance to society. And so it it paints this weird image in the movie and for us to reflect on in life, I think, that yes. people, people are truly like that. And if they don't get the help they need, they could go out and do horrible things. We've seen it countless times that peop- everybody has a breaking point and some people's breaking points get them to very horrible outcomes. I'm a little and, upset that we don't. This movie didn't spark the conversation. I hoped it would on mental illness, and it more so just sparked a conversation of, "Oh, this was a really good movie and a really good character piece." Yeah, and and it's it sucks because it it goes into such detail about mental illness and like how the joker became what he is because society you know gave up on him yeah it abandoned and him. abandoned him when he tried so damn hard and that's why i think i like this you know depiction of the joker so much more than some of the other iterations like him was a crazy you know fiend where this one he grew into that fiend he grew into the madness. Yeah, we got to see and, him evolve into that. Yeah. And it is a very dark movie. And I enjoyed it thoroughly because it it depicted him just taking care of his mom. And I, I thought that, I mean, eventually, you know, spoilers, he kills her because he realizes that's not his mom. And he just goes off on a tangent and like the point where he's in his uh in that where he had those delusions of him having that girlfriend or whatever and he's sitting on her couch and he goes i had a bad day yeah and she was terrified obviously she had every right to be because yeah. there was a stranger in her home but if he just had somebody to talk to more than the therapist I think he would have been okay. Yeah, I think I think that's one of those parts because I, I even said it after I saw the movie. I was like, oh, I should have seen that coming with um, Zazie Beetz' character. I, sh- I was like, I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. And mm-hmm. watching it replay all those scenes and like she flashes away, you start to realize, oh, he didn't have a support group. And that's that's why it got as far as it did. And mm-hmm. to go back to what we were talking about earlier, like that's what you need. You need that support group. You need that person to talk to. No matter who yep. it is. No matter who it is, you gotta talk. It's huge. But we're running close to about two hours. Um, to wrap this one up. Oh jeez. Go ahead and uh, give. If you had to rate this movie, what would you rate it? So, movie-wise, a 7. Acting, 10 out of 10. 
not saying it's the best movie in the damn world, but the acting in it with the supporting roles, the main actor for the Joker, I'm horrible with names. Joaquin um, Phoenix. Thank you. They did phenomenal. Even the even the support actors, they they just added that nice touch to where I cannot be upset with the acting for giving it such a, 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 the review I gave it. I'm giving it a seven because I enjoyed the movie. It was great. It showed a lot of things that people are not comfortable with. But I'm also giving it a seven and not a ten because there's no perfect damn movie out there originally, anyways. But I'm giving it a seven out of ten because I feel like it's just good enough to be one of my favorite movies personally. But it's also a movie that I probably won't watch all the time because it's so dark. And it's 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 that movie kind of movie where I I, I like to give it a seven out of ten instead of an eight or nine because it it goes into it, it's scary how much i see it in our own society and our own you know culture and all that and that's why i mean it wasn't perfect you know it's it's fictional but damn if it ain't close to the real thing yeah i'd, I'd have to agree i think i think it was a very fair rating um i was saying when people ask me what I thought about it, I was saying if I, I don't typically do like rating scores, but if I gave Joker a rating score, um, I was saying originally probably eight out of 10, but I, I think I'd go with like maybe a seven and a half to eight just because mm -hmm. the movie, it, let me just say, I was not thrilled about this movie to begin with because well, for a few reasons. One, I'm a big, I, I'm a very big Batman fan. He's not my favorite, but I do, I yes. really like Batman. And one of my appeals for the Joker has always been the fact that he is just an agent of chaos. And you don't know who he is or how he came to be. He's just there. And so yep. seeing that like come up of who, how someone becomes the Joker, I was like, ah, I don't know. But I'll go see it. Mm -hmm. And then my other reason for the not being too hyped for this movie is most of the trailers and promotional material for this made the Joker feel like this sort of hero. Yeah, I didn't like that. And it, it scared me because it didn't look like there was going to be this conversation of mental illness, but you're painting someone with this mental illness as a hero and it's the Joker. So he's going to do horrible things and yep. painting someone like that as a hero is, can be very damaging for younger viewers, which can I just say, if you're a parent taking your seven year old to go see this, I nope. really, I really hope you're having a conversation with your kid about the movie and you're not just taking him to go see it. Yeah. I'm 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 okay, okay with parents taking their seven year old to see it if you're having a conversation with that seven year old about the movie and like about mental illness. Yep. But if you're just taking him to go see it and you're not gonna talk to him about it, fuck you. Yeah, you have no right <laughs> to do that. Huh? That that's that could be very damaging on that kid. 
but individual. For those reasonings, I would probably give it a seven and a half to maybe eight out of ten. Joaquin Phoenix is phenomenal in this role. Yes. Man is incredible at what he does. And Zazie Beats and Robert De Niro kill it in every scene they're in. And mm-hmm. um, I won't say anything really about the ending, but Robert De Niro's reaction to the Joker is phenomenal. And if you haven't seen Joker, go see it. It's it's a wonderful character piece. Todd Phillips, Todd Phillips did a good job with this. I enjoyed it's it. Phenomenal. So. But we all did. I think we've both emptied our tank on mental illness and the Joker. <laughs> so yes. before before yeah. I go into my closing statement, I'll let you close this. Uh, give your closing statement. Alrighty, closing statement. Eh? Honestly, uh, not good at this stuff. <laughs> but need somebody to talk to. Don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah, you might get hurt a little bit sometimes, but go talk. Relieve yourself from some stress. Go get help if you need it. Do not be afraid of that help. It's out there. It's there for a reason. Um, but yeah, just as my father always tells me, <laughs> be good. And if you can't be good, be careful. <laughs> All right. And my closing statement is we are, I am finally back at this podcast thing. Um, life, life is hopefully going to start slowing down a little bit and get, I'll be able to get more consistent with episodes. And if you aren't caught up on this podcast, you can be sure to head over to Spotify, Anchor Pod, uh, uh, Anchor Podcast. No, that's not right. I meant to say Apple Podcasts and Anchor.fm slash DementedCast to listen to all the previous episodes. You can also support the show by subscribing to it on Anchor.fm slash DementedCast. 99 cents, $5, or even 10 But with that out of the way, I will talk to you all later. Peace. Peace.